So let me let me tell you how it played out with the coach. Let, let me, and this is why the kid ended up wasting a year in D three. So when the kid was coming out of high school, the the it, the kid had Division one ability. He had the genetic ability. Now he wouldn't have been you know a crack the rotation first year, probably not second year, maybe second year. By the third year, he would have cracked the, the you know he would have been a weekend starter for sure, if not sooner. And what was difficult, though, was, you know, he was, he was borderline because so much of his potential lied in him improving a few factors. So his, his genetic skills were borderline at the moment, but his projectability was great. And his projectability was not something that only like a seasoned evaluator, you know, would have to analyze and pick apart and really see where the hidden things are. No, this kid had a bunch of things that were going to get better. So, it, it, like, just I'll, I'll tell you, just on the gaining weight, that kid could have gained twenty to thirty pounds and still been thin. And so, just and that's a gaining weight is you know that that's an easy thing to do. So, if he had just gained weight, that would have put him into a position to be a weekend starter. So, like, what I'm saying is his project his projectability factors were not hard to see. And so, what happens though is the coach ends up pushing the kid to D three. Why? Because the coach couldn't see, you know, couldn't really dissect those things. And the coach, for the coach, it was better to have a kid who was a stud at a D3 school than a kid who was sitting the bench his first two years in a D1. So the coach sent the, the, the player to the D3 school so that it would look better for him, that he would maybe have a D3 All-American, and... He did that to send the coach to get in relationship with the D3 coach that he sent that kid a stud. I mean, he sent that coach a stud. So you got to be careful around these coaches. You got to be careful. I always advise parents and players to just think that your coach could be a great guy. He could be a great coach. He could love you. He could be a, a, just, just somebody who's, who's done really right by you. But there is a majority of coaches out there that, that deal in this area of recruiting. They are always going to do what's in their best interest. Now, if they can do what's in their best interest and kind of what's in your best interest, great. If they can do what's in their best interest and what's in your best interest, great. But their best interest is always going to show up in this process. So a lot of times you will see, you will see coaches push players to schools because they want to get in favor with that coach. They want some access to that coach. Now, some of it is they send him a great player. They say, you know, so they push this one kid who's a D1. They push him to a D3. Now, the next time he's got a borderline D3 kid, now that coach owes him a favor. Now, that's, you know, it's fine if there weren't people involved, you know, if there weren't people in education. Um, so I've seen this go both ways, by the way. I've seen kids who are minimized by coaches and sent to schools that they are much better than completely minimized by a coach. Um, I've also seen it work the other way. There was a, a player, um, I tell the story all the time, where they, you know, they kind of lived in, in a remote area and um, you know, the dad wasn't a baseball guy, didn't, never played baseball, doesn't, didn't really know the sport. All of a sudden, his kids got some talent. He was a catcher. And um, 
you know, it was sophomore year and the dad says, you know, should we start looking at these camps and stuff like that? You know, where does he fit in? And the coach says, he's a D1 catcher. He's a D1 catcher. He's got D1 ability. No problem. And so they go, okay. And so they played on a different team um, over the summer. And, um, you know, they had not kind of been out and about much to really compare. So when they, they went to a camp, that was, they signed up for kind of a higher level camp. And they went to the camp. And they traveled in hotels and all that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, it was like over three grand. And he, they get there and the kid's like, he's not anywhere near the talent that's in the camp. And so the dad's like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is just the way this one went. You know, like, you know, maybe it's just a, a mix of higher level kids. Um, and so they had another camp they'd also signed up for. Same deal. Flight, hotel, travel, registration for the camp. Same thing. Right? The kid's just overmatched. He's at the bottom. They go back to the high school coach. And, and the high school, he, they, they, they asked the high school coach, and the dad was a really sweet guy. You know, he was kind of like, hey, you know, like, what, what, you know, we went to the camps. Like, are we, is, are we missing something here? And, you know, it doesn't seem like he's at that level. And the coach goes, well, you know, I, I was trying to motivate him. <laughs> trying to motivate him. Because the, the dad's like, man, this was like seven grand. <laughs> we could have bought him like a, a motivational book or something, you know, if you want to motivate him. And so sometimes coaches, they want to pump kids up. They want to elevate kids. Because, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they think it, it will help the kid. I think their intentions might be good. But really, in this realm of recruiting, reality, reality is, is the key. Because we talked about, like, delusional uh, recruiting syndrome is, is it can get the coaches can have it, too. So you got to watch these coaches because um, they, will, they, will, they will push kids to places that benefit them. Um, and they will pump kids up to levels that are not accurate for them. Now, the other thing I want you to watch for coaches, um, there, there's a couple things. Number one, a lot of coaches will say, we'll help you with your recruiting. A lot of travel ball coaches says, we'll, we'll do your recruiting or, or we'll send those letters. Now, that used to be very commonplace. Like when I started coaching in high school, you did that. You, you did the recruiting for your players, mainly because you only had like two or three players that were probably going to go on to college, you know? Um, and so you, that was part of the process. It was kind of an unwritten part of your job description, but it is not a written part of your job description. So had I not done it, it nothing, you know, I don't lose my job. The, 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 if a parent goes to the athletic director and says, hey, you know, that coach didn't recruit, you know, didn't do the recruiting for my son, the athletic director goes, well, that's not, that's not his job to do the recruiting for your son. It's nice if they, if they help, but I'm going to tell you what, um, if you're putting that, if you're waiting for someone else to help you do that or expect them to do it when it's not part of their job description, then you're at the mercy of their to-do list. You're also at the mercy of their ability to communicate, which is bigger. You're at the mercy of, of, of also, too, how they want to look, again, in front of these college coaches. They don't want to send a college coach a dud, or they may pump you up to levels that you can't play at. So a lot of coaches will pump up their 
connections, who they know, so on and so forth. You got to be very careful. It is not their job. The travel ball coaches that promise to do the recruiting, when they say that, you really got to ask, well, what does that entail? Because I promise you, if we, we, we laid out the 16 steps in recruiting, I promise you, they don't know 14 of them. They don't know 14 of them. Their idea of recruiting is the recruiting industry, is showcases and stuff like that. They're, they're, they're talking about throwing you into the system, you know, into the herd. They're not talking about actually finding that five-star match for your son. So it's, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. It's not part of their job description. It's at the mercy of their to-do list, which even the coach with the best of intentions, right? It, it's not your recruiting is not a priority on their to-do list. And life gets busy, you know, sometimes. The season gets crazy, family, all this kind of stuff. And you don't want to be on, a, on the bottom of a to-do list because the first thing that goes from on a to-do list is to get, to, get, to get dropped is what's on the bottom. So you cannot depend on a coach to do this for you accurately, to do this for you, comp- you know, have to have the competence to do it or even the time and the effort, and they're not required to do it. Or they, they're, they, they're what they think is recruiting is putting you into the herd, into the system. Now, the last thing I want to I point to you about with coaches is you got to be careful about coaches that bring people to camps and recommend people to camps, especially if you have a lot of guys from your team going to a camp. The college camps are notorious for this. So let me take you a little bit inside baseball here. If you see a coach or your coach says, hey, the whole team's going to go up to this college camp at XYZ University. Or you see, hey, seven of our guys are going up to this college camp at XYZ University. Here's what happened. Your coach is getting a kickback to bring those kids to that camp. Even if he says, hey, I got us a discount, there's still a kickback. So sometimes that kickback is just pure money. Hey, if, you, if for every kid you bring to the camp, we're going to give you 100 bucks. And now he brings 12 of his kids, he makes 1200 bucks, and it looks like you guys got a great camp. And you didn't go, you weren't part of the recruiting process, you were part of a business transaction. Now, you know what? Of the two things that happen, that's actually the most sane. Right? So if you tell me somebody did something for money, you know, people do dumb things for money all the time. People rob banks for money all the time. But here's the other thing. Sometimes their compensation is not in money. Sometimes their compensation is in access. So they can go, they can, um, they can get on the field, like maybe for batting practice. They get to take pictures with the coach. Maybe they get a swag bag, you know, of stuff that they can wear around. And a lot of times they're looking to boost their credentials and their kind of, um, uh, you know, th- their status by saying, hey, yo, look, I-, I-, I go on the field for BP or I'm wearing this, coach gave me this, or I know him, I can call him, I can get right to him. And sometimes also that access is used in ways, right, to, to build their status, to also build their business. And sometimes, you know, teams, their business is pure money. Sometimes their business is pure status and ego, 
And so I can't, <laughs> I, I know a lot of college coaches and I know exactly how they do it. We, we've, at Baseball Education Center, over the years, we, we've been offered deals like that. Hey, if you push kids to this college camp, you'll make X. And all it is is a money grab. It's just a money grab for the university. So you got to be careful about these coaches. Like I said, they're, they're get, it, it, it's not just these, you know, it's not straight anymore. It, it's, there's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And because this is such a, a you know, like a changing, moving thing, recruiting, and it's different everywhere, it, th- that's, that's part of the reason why these things can kind of work is because the, we, we don't know. There's so much confusion. There's so, so much frustration. And so I, I always go, you know, back to like, um, uh, you know, that, that oh, God, I, I can't remember who said it. If you give me a lever, was it Da Vinci, I think, or Michelangelo, or Aristotle? I don't know. <laughs> whoever said, whoever said if, if I have a lever long enough and a place to stand, I can move the earth, right? So the, the key to that is a place to stand. Because the place to stand gives you the stability you know, to use the lever, right? And so we, in, in, often in these, in these situations, we don't have a place to stand. We don't know kind of where we are. We don't, we don't have stability, right? And, and when we don't have stability, that, that we don't have security, that's insecurity, and so when we're insecure, that's when we can fall for a lot of these things and they look good to us. And then we're, we're going along with the person that we think knows when that person doesn't know. And that person is pushing people to schools that are beneath them because it's a better situation for him. Or they're pumping up kids to levels that are, are, they're not able to play at because they want to, they want to try and make the kid look good. Or they're pumping kids to camps or pushing kids to camps because they're getting money or kickbacks or access or, or stuff that they can use to raise their status. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for baseball dads. And I would love for you to check it out. You can go to baseballdadsbook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com.